Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the construction of the tabernacle as we pick up in Exodus chapter 26, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Let's turn now in our Bibles to Exodus chapter 26. Now, when we got into the 25th chapter of the book of Exodus, we began with the construction of the tabernacle. And first of all, God informed him concerning the furnishings that were to be in the tabernacle. And so in chapter 29, it is described for Moses how that the Ark of the Covenant is to be built its dimensions. The mercy seat, which was the lid on the Ark of the Covenant with the two carved cherubim. And then the furnishings for the outer holy place of the temple were to be a lampstand with seven lamps, the table, which was to have 12 loaves of bread kept on it, and then the altar of incense. Now we, as we get into chapter 26, begin the construction of the tabernacle itself. And first of all, the Lord gives instructions to these curtains that are to be over the top. Now, the tabernacle is really a tent. And thus you've got to picture it in your mind sort of as a tent. And first of all, he describes the curtains that go over the top of this tent. The bottom curtain, and there are three layers of curtains actually, and the bottom curtain is to be made of linen. And they are to take ten curtains of fine twine linen, blue, purple, scarlet, with cherubims and cunning work shalt thou make them. And the length of one curtain shall be 28 cubits, or 42 feet. And the breadth would be 4 cubits, or 6 feet. And all of the curtains are to be the same measurement. Then they are to take five of the curtains and couple them together. So that five would be sewed together, which makes now a curtain of 30 feet by 42 feet. And so you have two then large curtains of linen. Now the interior part is got all of these neat little embroidered cherubims and fancy needlework so that as you go into the tabernacle and you look up, you see all of these cherubim that have been woven into the fabric of this linen. Remember, this is a model of heaven. Heaven is filled with angels. And so uh, the idea of going into the tabernacle and the consciousness of the presence of the angels of God that are there in heaven. So the cherubim uh, all sewn in in fine needlework in this linen curtain. Then the curtains were to have these golden rings uh, sewed on them the loops of blue on the edge of one curtain at the salvage, 
a coupling like you shall make, and they were to make these loops and then these golden tacks, 50 loops, and then these golden tacks, and they were to be tacked together at this loop so that you ultimately end up with one curtain that can be taken apart and folded into the two. Now you get the idea? It is actually there to be two large curtains, 30 feet by 42 feet, but yet they are to be there to have these 50 loops and then golden tacks by which the loops are held together so that when they put it over the top of the tabernacle, it makes one large curtain. But the tabernacle is to be a portable building. It's to move whenever they move. And so the thing all has to be made so that it is portable, so that it can be taken down and, and carried away. And just one curtain, 60 by 42, would be much too large to try to move. So it's clipped together in the middle so that they can take it apart and then move on with it uh, when God indicated that it was time to move. Everything was portable. Uh, you remember when they made the ark, they had the gold rings on it and then these uh, pieces of acacia wood overlaid with gold that went through the rings. They weren't to touch it but the porters could just pick up the staves and they carried the ark between them. The same was true on the table of showbread and all. It was all made so that it was portable. They could move it uh, from place to place. And so it really is a well-designed, portable building that was the tent, the tabernacle, uh, the place, and it means the place of meeting. It was where the people were to meet God. Now, somehow, uh, along the line in history, we've gotten a wrong concept uh, that the church is God's house. The church is not God's house. God doesn't dwell in buildings made by men's hands. When Solomon built the temple, he recognized, hey, we're not building a house really for God. For he said, the heavens of heavens cannot contain God. So it is a place of meeting. It's the place where I can come and meet God. Now, we could meet God anywhere. God will meet you wherever you want to meet him. God will meet you on the beach. God will meet you on the freeway. You name it. God can meet you anywhere. But when we want to gather together to meet together, to fellowship, to have a place of meeting in a corporate sense, then the building comes in handy. If we lived in Hawaii, we wouldn't need a building. We could meet the Lord under the banyan trees, and that's great. But here is a place where we gather to meet God. We don't think of this as God's house at all. Tomorrow it's just an empty building. Tonight it's the church, the place where the church meets. You're the church. And so this becomes the place where the church gathers to meet together in a corporate sense with God. Now, the tabernacle was the place of meeting where people would meet 
God. But you see, they didn't have Jesus Christ. And thus, they couldn't just meet God anywhere because God is a holy God. And if you meet God, you might just fry because of your sin and his holiness. And so in the Old Testament period, you wouldn't dare meet God. Thus, in order to meet God, they had a place and then they had a ritual by which you could meet God, but not yourself directly. You would come to the priest and the priest would go before God for you and then the priest would come back to you for God but you just wouldn't meet God directly yourself in the Old Testament. And so they called it the place of meeting where the people could come to the priest, offer their sacrifice, and the priest would go before God for them. This was that place, the tabernacle. And this lasted actually all the way up through the reign of David. They still at David's time had a tabernacle. It wasn't until Solomon built the temple that the tabernacle was finally uh, done away with. So the first curtain over the top of the tabernacle was of linen and basically 60 feet by 42 feet. Now the next curtain was of goat's hair. Now, the first one is, is really for the ornament on the inside with the fancy needlework. Now, the next one is sort of as a protection of sorts. And the second curtain over the top of the first was of goat's hair. And there were to be 11 of these, and so it was to be a little bit bigger than the first. It's to drape down a little further over the linen one. And again, the length of one will be 30 cubits or 45 feet instead of 42 and six feet wide but then they were to sew six of them together and five of them together again making the loops and the and the tacks whereby they were to be tacked together now these tacks though on the goat skins were to be of brass now with the goat skins it it the fact that they had to use these goat skins or goat hair indicated the death of the animal. And wherever you have the death of the animal, you're thinking now in the terms of sacrifice and uh, the judgment for sin. Thus, wherever anything has to do with judgment, your metal becomes brass. For brass is the metal that is symbolic of judgment. So wherever there was animals and the death of animals and so forth, brass was used because that's a sign of the judgment against sin. So this second curtain over the top, a little bit bigger than the first, it is 45 feet by 62. And it's to hang over both ends and down the sides and to cover completely over the linen curtain and uh, this is more of a protective covering and then the third covering was of badgers or ram's skins dyed red a covering above the badger's skins now this is for waterproof this is the outer covering and it's the waterproof 
And so there are actually three coverings over the tabernacle. And uh, thus, as I say, it makes quite a tent. Now, there were to be these boards, 15 feet high and 27 feet wide of acacia wood. And they were to be overlaid with gold. And then they were to make these silver sockets. And these boards were to be sort of tongue and grooved, fitting in together, fitting in the silver sockets in the bottom. And then with the, the rings in the side so that they could set the boards up and then run a stave through the rings so that the boards would stand upright. And so the boards were to, of course, the, the, the tabernacle itself was to be 45 feet long and 15 feet wide. These boards, and of course the entrance at the front of it, and they describe how they are to make the entrance, but these boards are set in sockets of silver, side by side, and then over the top of it would be the hanging linen curtain, the hanging goat hair curtain, uh, or goat skin, and then over the top of that, the waterproofing, the badger skin, over the top of that. And uh, these big 27 inches wide boards, they're 27 inches wide, and they are 15 feet high, and with these rings so that when they'd set them up, they could run the sticks through them, and thus they would stand upright, and the curtains then going over the top. And he describes how that they are to set them uh, in this shape, rectangular shape, of 45 feet by 15 feet. And uh, the tabernacle itself had two rooms in it. The outer room is 30 by 15, and then the Holy of Holy is a 15-foot cube. They're 15 feet high, it's 15 feet wide, 15 feet long, so it's actually a cube in the Holy of Holies. So as you would enter into the Holy of Holies, of course, there was no light in there except for what they called the Shekinah, which was just an incandescent type of light, a glow that just filled the room. It was the light of the glory of the presence of God there in the Holy of Holies. But no one was allowed in there except the high priest. Now, uh, he describes how they are to make these silver sockets and set the uh, bars on the outside. In verse 26, also make bars of acacia wood. And uh, the boards on the other side of the tabernacle, five bars for the board on the side, on the two sides, the westward, and so forth. And then the bar in the middle that would reach from end to end so that they could run them through these golden, or through these rings and hold the thing up. Now, separating the rooms on the inside was to be a veil. Now, there are sources in history, whether or not they are accurate, we do not know, but that when they made the veil in the temple to separate the Holy of Holies, there are some records 
that state that the veil in the temple itself was 18 inches thick, woven together, just really a heavy, heavy, thick veil in the temple. And that is the veil that was rent, torn from the top to the bottom when Jesus was crucified. Of course, symbolic of the fact that God, through Jesus Christ, has opened the door for all men to come freely unto him. Access to God no longer limited to just the high priest. Access to God now open to every one of us because of the rent veil of the temple. But here is described the veil that they are to make for this holy of holies, the inner veil. Thou shalt make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet. Fine twine linen, cunning work, with cherubims it shall be made. So again, the cherubims woven into it. And thou shalt hang it upon four pillars of acacia wood that are overlaid with gold. Their hooks shall be of gold and the four sockets of silver. And thou shalt hang the veil under the tax that uh, you may bring thither within the veil the ark of the testimony, and the veil shall divide unto you between the holy place and the most holy, and thou shalt put the mercy seat upon the ark of the testimony in the most holy place. And thou shalt set the table outside the veil, the candlestick over against the table on the side of the tabernacle toward the south, and thou shalt put the table on the north side. And thou shalt make a hanging for the door of the tent of blue and purple and scarlet, fine twine linen wrought with needlework, and thou shalt make for the hanging five pillars of acacia wood and overlay them with gold, and their hooks shall be of gold, and thou shalt cast five sockets of brass for them. Because there they would come in with the blood of the sacrifices and thus the brass sockets for those particular gold overlaid acacia staves. So I trust that you're getting sort of a mental picture of this. It's a tent, golden boards forming the walls around it, so that when you walk into the tabernacle itself, you would have to go through this first veil. You would enter into this room that is 15 feet high, and as you looked up, you would see the linen with the uh, cherubims and so forth that are woven into the uh, material. Over on your right side, you would see the table of showbread, and on your left side, you would see the lampstand, and in front of you would be another curtain with cherubims and all woven in it. If you would go past the second curtain, in there you would see a golden box that is sitting with a golden lid on top and carved on the top of that golden lid would be these cherubims with outstretched wings. And thus you get an idea of what the tabernacle looked like on the inside. Now, on the outside, they were to make a court. 
which would be 75 feet wide and 150 feet long, with curtains around it seven and a half feet high, so that you have this outer court, which is sort of a curtained-in area, 75 feet by 150 feet. Curtains that are seventy or seven and a half feet high, which makes them too high to tiptoe and peek over. And these curtains were set on these posts that were set in brass sockets and so forth. And the whole thing, as I said, was portable. When they need to move, they could just go in, take the thing apart, wrap it up. And, the, and there were certain of the tribe of Levites that were the bearers. They had to carry the thing and they would take it to the next place and then they could set it up. It's like uh, a tent is easily mobile and, and thus uh, it, was, it was made very portable and uh, able to move it around as God would lead the children of Israel. return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Exodus on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Exodus 26 through 27 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is the Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord bless you and prosper you in His love. And may you be established in the hope that is ours through Jesus Christ as we look for the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior who shall establish God's kingdom and bring us all into that glorious age of ruling and reigning with Him on an earth that has been renewed and revitalized. Glorious age of the King. May God sustain you, give you strength and power in Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Have you ever had a friend who's not a believer and they ask you a question about the Bible and you're thrilled? 
Finally, they want to know about God, but then you go blank because you can't remember the scripture that would answer their very question. You're not alone. It happens to me all the time, and I think if only I had a quick scripture reference that would help me right then and there, that would be perfect. Well, guess what I found? Pastor Chuck's Old and New Testament study guides are available to download as ebooks instantly to your phone or mobile device. Now, whenever you need to find the meaning to a scripture reference quickly, you can. Pastor Chuck has written great little Bible commentaries to help anyone come to a better understanding of God's Word. To find out more and to read a book preview, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link to download the Old and New Testament study guides by Chuck Smith. Or if you would like to order these books in print, call The Word for Today at 800-272-9673.